section seventy seven of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds laura mortimer's new intrigues we must now return to laura mortimer whom we left in paris and of whom we have lost sight for some time it was in the evening of the fourth day after the incidents recorded in the preceding chapter that laura was seated in her handsome drawing-room wrapped up in deep meditation her thoughts were not however of a disagreeable nature for ever and anon the fire of triumph flashed from her fine eyes and her rich moist lips were wreathed into a smile she held a book open in her hand but her gaze was fixed upon the ceiling as she lay rather than sat on the voluptuous cushions of the purple velvet ottoman the windows were open and a gentle evening breeze which had succeeded the stifling heat of a parisian summer day fanned her countenance and wantoned with the luxuriant ringlets that floated over her naked shoulders those shoulders so white so plump so exquisitely shaped the perfumes of choice flowers and the odour of ravishing oriental scents rendered the atmosphere fragrant gold and silver fish were disporting in an immense crystal globe which stood upon a marble table between the casements and two beautiful canaries were carolling in a superb cage suspended in one of those open windows on the table near which laura was placed stood several crystal dishes containing the finest fruit that the parisian market could yield the luscious pine the refreshing melon strawberries of extraordinary size and exquisite flavour cherries of the richest red and mulberries of the deepest purple a bottle of champagne stood in a cooler filled with ice and in the middle of the table was a superb nosegay of flowers the entire appearance of the room and its appointments was luxurious in the extreme comfort being combined with elegance and the means of enjoyment distributed with taste while she the mistress of the place the presiding genius of the scene was pillowed voluptuously upon the immense velvet cushions so complete was the abandonment of her attitude in her deep reverie that she seemed ten hundred times more charming than when her artifice devised a thousand studied graces in order to effect a conquest and captivate a lover one of her naked arms plump white and beautifully formed lay across her person as the hand held the book on which the eyes rested not and against the dark binding of which the taper fingers were set off in the dazzling purity of their complexion and the rosy tint of the almond-shaped nails the other arm hung down negligently not quite straight but gently rounded the fingers of that hand playing mechanically with the ottoman's golden fringe that swept the thick carpet one of her legs lay stretched completely upon the ottoman the other hung over the side displaying the well-formed foot the delicate ankle and the robust swell of the calf more voluptuously modelled than venus but with all the elegance attributed to the form of that fabled divinity handsome as juno without the stern imperiousness that characterized the queen of heaven and with that subdued nobility of demeanour which diana when out of sight of her attendant huntresses might have been supposed to wear laura mortimer united in her own person the most fascinating of the charms belonging to the three principal goddesses of heathen worship but let us endeavour to ascertain the subject of her thoughts as she lay thus wrapped up in a deep reverie 
fortune appears resolved to favour me and i accept the auspicious omen with joy the marquis is in my power is my slave inextricably shackled by my silken chains four short days have been sufficient to accomplish this victory when first introduced to him in the champs-elysees i saw that he regarded me with attention nay with admiration and i that moment signalled him out as the man who is destined to place me in a proud position to render me independent of charles hatfield's hated father the evening before last i met him for the second time this was at the party given by my music-master the nobleman was almost instantly by my side as soon as i made my appearance and i knew full well how to gain his favour when handsome young men approached me i received them coldly and continued my discourse with the marquis in a more animated and friendly style than before i even hinted to him or rather suffered him to believe that it was a relief to escape from the frivolities of the average run of conversation in the indulgence of discourse on intellectual subjects i saw that the old man was flattered that he thought highly of me in a word i secured his esteem as i had already acquired his admiration we sat next to each other at supper and he lavished all his attentions upon me attentions which i accepted with an air as if they came from a young and handsome gallant the marquis handed me to my carriage and solicited permission to call i signified an assent with an ingenuousness that could not possibly have seemed affected and he squeezed my hand slightly as he bade me farewell on the following afternoon he called this was yesterday and he remained a long time two hours passed doubtless like two minutes to him and i was completely triumphant never did i appear to such advantage my glass told me that i was radiantly beautiful and i could observe full well that my manner my conversation and the delicate artifices i called to aid were pre-eminently successful the old man was ready to fall upon his knees and worship me he was in that humour when he would have laid his whole fortune at my feet he appeared to be longing to throw his arms around my neck and exclaim laura i adore you but when i had excited him to the highest possible pitch i suddenly directed his attention to some subject of comparative indifference and thus did i play with his feelings during two long hours he went away half crazy dazzled bewildered not knowing what to think or how to act intoxicated with sensual passions mingling with the purer sentiments of a profound admiration and a cordial esteem then this morning he called again and i made him become my companion at luncheon i affected to be rejoiced that he had thus unexpectedly dropped in as i had previously felt low-spirited and dull he seemed charmed that his presence was calculated to cheer me it was a delicate compliment paid to his conversational powers and he was flattered and pleased oh how admirably did i wind myself as it were around him during the three hours that he remained with me this morning how successfully did i insinuate myself as one may say into his very soul not seizing upon his heart by a sudden attack but gaining possession of it by means the more sure because so stealthy not carrying that heart by storm but gradually and imperceptibly enmeshing it in snares and toils whence it never can escape so long as my real character shall remain a mystery to him yes and this morning too was he not a thousand times on the point of falling upon his knees and exclaiming laura i adore you but still i tantalized him still i worked him up to the highest possible pitch of excitement and then suddenly discouraged him by some word or gesture that threw a coldness on all i had before said and which yet would admit of no positive interpretation so as to render him hopeless altogether 
and now he is to return again this evening to return by his own solicitation and this evening yes this evening thought laura her lips wreathing into a smile of triumph he shall fall down at my feet and exclaim laura i adore you thus ran the meditations of this dangerous woman so strong in the consciousness of her almost superhuman beauty so confident in the power of her matchless charms and in the witchery of her guileful tongue yes four days will have been sufficient to reduce the proud english noble to the condition of a captive kneeling at my feet she continued in her silent but triumphant reverie what other woman in the world can thus effect a conquest with such amazing rapidity the tigress hunts for her prey pursuing the affrighted deer through bramble and through brake by the margin of the lake in the depths of the forest amidst the trackless mazes of the wild woods a long tedious and fatiguing chase with the possibility of escape for the intended victim after all but the boa constrictor fixes its eyes upon its prey fascinates it renders it incapable of retreat compels it even to advance nearer and nearer to its mouth plays with it tantalizes it sets every feeling and every emotion into fluttering agitation and even when about to gorge it licks it over with his caresses and thus do i secure my prey i am the anaconda amongst women none whom i choose to make my victim can escape from the influence of my witchery the sphere of my fascination with me it is no long tedious and wearisome chase tis instantaneous capture and an easy triumph and again the peculiar smile half haughtiness half sweetness returned to the lips of the peerless beauty who felt herself to be ten thousand times more powerful in the possession of her transcendent charms than an amazonian queen clothed in armour of proof from head to heel suddenly the bell at the outer door of her suite of apartments announced the coming of a visitor and in a few moments the marquis of delmore was ushered into the room laura had already assumed a sitting posture and she now rose to receive the english nobleman good evening charming miss mortimer said the marquis taking her hand and gently touching it with his lips then leading her to the ottoman and placing himself at a short distance from her he looked at her tenderly observing you perceive that i am punctual to the hour at which i was to make my appearance according to the kind permission you granted me your lordship is most generous thus to condescend to enliven an hour that would otherwise be passed in loneliness by me said laura bending upon him all the glory of her fine bright eyes and revealing the splendour of her brilliant teeth beautiful intellectual and agreeable as you are miss mortimer observed the nobleman it is utterly impossible that you can feel yourself indebted to an old man like me for the recreation of a leisure hour you would only need to throw open your drawing-rooms to the elite of paris to be surrounded by admiring guests and what if i prefer an hour of intellectual conversation to an entire evening of empty formalities ceremonial frivolities and the inane routine of fashionable reunions asked laura with an affectation of candour which seemed most real most natural you possess a mind the strength and soundness of which surprise me exclaimed the marquis of delmore enthusiastically how is it that rich and beautiful young and courted as you are you can have taken so just a view of the world that you have learnt to prefer solid enjoyments to artificial pleasures and that you can so well discriminate between the real on which the gay and giddy close their eyes and the ideal or the unreal which they so much worship you would ask me my lord i presume wherefore i dislike that turmoil of fashionable life which brings one in contact with persons who flatter in a meaningless manner and who believe that a woman is best pleased with him who most skilfully gilds his pretty nothings it is my lord because i do not estimate the world according to the usual standard because i am not dazzled by outside glitter and external show if an officer in the army be introduced to me i am not captivated by his splendid epaulets and his waving plumes i wait to hear his discourse before i form my estimate of his character 
then neither youth nor riches will prove the principal qualifications of him who shall be fortunate enough to win your hand said the marquis fixing his eyes in an impassioned manner upon the siren oh you would speak to me upon the topic of marriage exclaimed laura laughing gaily to tell your lordship the truth i should be sorry to surrender up my freedom beyond all possibility of release to any man in existence what ejaculated the old nobleman do you mean me to infer that you will never marry i have more than half made up my mind to that resolution responded laura casting down her eyes and forcing a blush to her cheeks never marry cried the marquis in unfeigned surprise and what if you happen to fall in love with some fine handsome eligible young man in the first place it is by no means necessary that a man should be fine handsome or young for me to love him answered laura as if in the most ingenuous way in the world and when i do love it is not a whit the more imperious that the person or the priest should rivet my hand to that of the object of my affections it is within the power of man to unite hands and that is a mockery but god alone can unite hearts and that is a solemn and sacred compact that should be effected in the sight of heaven only i scarcely understand you beautiful and mysterious being exclaimed the marquis drawing nearer to the siren who did not appear to notice the movement i am aware that some of my notions are not altogether in accordance with those of society in general observed laura with an affectation of reserve and diffidence but since the conversation has taken this turn i do not hesitate to admit that i do hold peculiar opinions with respect to marriage you would have me understand miss mortimer said the marquis that you were to find your affections enchained by some deserving individual you would not hesitate to join your destinies to his without the intervention of the church to cement the union your lordship has interpreted my meaning in language so delicate as to be almost ambiguous observed laura and yet why should the truth be thus wrapped up in verbiage i do not entertain opinions which i am afraid to look in the face god forbid in a word then i would ten thousand times rather become the mistress of the man i loved than the wife of him whom i abhorred and in loving the former and with him loving me is it not that union of hearts which as i ere now said should be effected only in the sight of heaven and have you ever yet loved asked the nobleman in a tone of profound emotion as he gazed long and ardently upon the splendid countenance whereon the light from the casements now fell with a rembrandt effect delineating the faultless profile against the obscurity that had already begun to occupy the end of the room most remote from the windows oh my lord that is a question which you can only ask me when we come to know each other better exclaimed laura after a few moments pause and yet i already feel as if i had known you for as many years as our acquaintance numbers days said the marquis methought yesterday and this morning too that a species of intimacy a kind of impromptu friendship had sprung up between us and now you are somewhat cold towards me your manner is not the same if i have been guilty of any want of courtesy towards your lordship i should be truly deeply grieved exclaimed laura surveying the nobleman with well-affected astonishment at the accusation uttered against her oh use not such chilling language laura miss mortimer i mean cried the old nobleman half inclined to throw himself at her feet and implore her to take compassion upon him but i am mad i am insane to appeal to you thus he continued in a species of rage against himself how can i suppose that the society of an old man like me is agreeable to a young and beautiful creature such as you how can i give way to those glorious but fatal delusions that have occupied my brain for the last forty-eight hours oh miss mortimer would that i had never seen you and the old nobleman covering his face with his hands literally sobbed like a youthful lover quarrelling with an adored mistress 
my lord my lord what have i done to offend you demanded laura as if deeply excited and seizing his hands she drew them away from his countenance well aware that the contact of her soft and warm flesh would make the blood that age had partially chilled circulate with speed and heat in his veins if you had attempted my life replied the marquis with fervid emphasis i should rejoice at a deed that would elicit such kindness from you as you manifest towards me now and thus speaking he raised her hands to his lips and covered them with kisses tell me how did i offend you she asked in a voice that was melting and musical even to ravishment oh let us think not of what has passed he exclaimed but bless me with the assurance that you can entertain a sentiment of friendship for the old man i would rather possess your friendship my lord than that of the handsomest and wealthiest young gentleman whom we met at the party the other evening responded the artful woman still abandoning her hands to the marquis did you not observe that i was pleased with your attentions that i refused to dance in order that i might remain seated next to you and listening to your conversation that when the gay moths of fashion approached me with their fulsome compliments i exhibited signs of impatience and by my coldness compelled them to retreat that i gave no encouragement to them in any way yes yes interrupted the enraptured marquis i noticed all that and were i a young man i should have felt myself justified in addressing you in the language of passion i of ardent and sincere affection but although such are indeed my sentiments towards you i perceive all the folly and ridicule of daring to give utterance to them in your presence yet god knows that i am ready to lay my fortune at your feet and could i offer to place the coronet of a marchioness upon your brow were you in the position to do so i should refuse it said laura emphatically all the rest i might listen to then you are aware that i am married interrupted the nobleman fixing an earnest and inquiring gaze upon her beauteous countenance rumour declares as much replied laura and it likewise avers that you are not happy in your matrimonial connection i pity you from the bottom of my heart and i behold in the fact itself a new argument in support of my own peculiar tenets relative to marriage ties for assuredly you are endowed with qualities calculated to render a woman happy or i am deeply deeply deceived ah it is a sad tale and i dare not venture upon the narration now said the marquis with a profound sigh but should our acquaintance continue as i ardently hope it may i will some day give you the fullest and most ample explanations and you yourself charming creature is there not some mystery attached to you how happens it that at your age you should be so well acquainted with the world how is it that you seem free to follow the bent of your own inclinations uncontrolled even by your mother for rumour declares that you have a mother alive i am independent of her in a pecuniary point of view my lord interrupted laura and i am determined to consult my own ideas of happiness instead of adopting the standard of enjoyment and pleasure established by the fashionable world would to heavens that it lay in my power to ensure your happiness or even to contribute to it exclaimed the marquis gazing upon her with admiration and ardent passion long years have elapsed since i encountered any woman who inspired me with even half the interest that i feel in you and it seems to me that i become young again when in your sweet society and on my side answered laura casting down her eyes and assuming a bashful demeanour i do not hesitate to admit that i experience greater enjoyment from your conversation than from that of any other nobleman or gentleman with whom i am acquainted just now my sweet miss mortimer said the marquis approaching still nearer to her and speaking in a tone that was low and tremulous with emotion just now you declare that all the rest you might listen to and i do not attempt to revoke the admission that thus fell from my lips murmured the designing young woman turning a glance of half timidity and half fondness upon the old nobleman who in spite of a strong and vigorous intellect was rendered childish and plunged as it were into dotage by the fascinating 
ravishing influence of the siren enchantress what am i to understand by those words he asked in an ecstasy of delight oh is it possible that you can become something more to the old man than a mere acquaintance something more than even a friend i could wish to retain your good opinion your esteem for ever said laura now turning upon him a countenance radiant with hope and joy it is scarcely possible i am dreaming tis a delicious delusion a heavenly vision murmured the marquis in broken sentences for he was dazzled by the transcendent beauty of the hori who seemed to encourage him in the aspirations which he had formed is it then so extraordinary that i should have learnt to love one who is so kind so generous-hearted so intellectual as yourself asked laura leaning towards him so that her fragrant breath fanned his countenance and her forehead for an instant touched his own great heaven is it possible that so much happiness awaits me cried the marquis scarcely able to believe his eyes or his ears then after gazing upon her for a few instants with all the rapturous ardour of a youthful lover he sank upon his knees before her exclaiming laura i adore you the designing woman's triumph was complete the marquis was inextricably entangled in her snares and throwing her arms around his neck she murmured oh it is an honour as well as a joy to possess your love then the old man covered the charming young woman's countenance with kisses and for several minutes not a word was spoken between them but at length the marquis who could scarcely believe that he had won a prize the possession of which all the noblest handsomest and wealthiest young men in paris would envy him began to speak upon the course which it would be prudent for them to adopt laura at once gave him to understand that she should experience no sentiment of shame in appearing as his mistress and she undertook as well indeed she might do to reconcile her mother to this connection which she had formed let us then return to england without delay said the marquis the business which has brought me to paris is now in such a position that an agent may manage it for me but tell me is your mother dependent upon you entirely answered laura anticipating the course which her noble lover was about to adopt and your fortune is doubtless large he continued interrogatively it is not nearly so large as rumour has alleged was the reply still it is handsome competency for one person then as there shall be nothing having even the slightest appearance of selfishness in my attachment towards you laura resumed the nobleman you must immediately assign all your property to your mother and i will at once yea at once give you a proof of the boundless devotion with which you have inspired me permit me the use of your desk for a few moments laura rang the bell and ordered rosalie to bring writing materials and when this was done the marquis seated himself at the table and wrote something upon a sheet of paper he next penned a letter which he folded up sealed and addressed and turning towards laura he said this draft beloved girl is for the sum of sixty thousand pounds payable at sight at my bankers in london this letter which you will have the kindness to send through the post to-morrow is to advise them of the fact of such a cheque having been given and to prepare them to meet it so that there may be no hesitation in paying such a large amount for it will be my joy and delight to enrich you my dearest laura so that the old man may to some extent repay the immense obligation under which he is placed by the possession of such a heart as thine i would not have you remain wealthy through your own resources henceforth you must owe everything to me for if you cannot be my wife in name you shall at least be the sharer of my fortune as you have consented to be the partner of my destinies your generosity my dear marquis only binds me the more closely to you exclaimed laura lavishing upon the old man the most exciting and apparently fervent caresses at the same time permit me to remind you that there is nothing selfish in that affection which so suddenly sprang up in my bosom towards you because i am no needy adventurous no intriguing fortune-hunter and you are well aware that many a french nobleman would be proud to lay his title at my feet were i disposed to decorate my brow with the coronet my father who as you have doubtless heard 
accumulated some money in india left me well provided for and that fortune i shall cheerfully abandon to my mother preferring to remain dependent on yourself ah your father dwelt a long time in india exclaimed the marquis as if struck by a sudden idea is it possible then that i could have encountered your mother in england but no that woman could not have been the parent of such a lovely charming creature as yourself to whom do you allude my lord demanded laura now seized with the apprehension that her mother might be known to the wealthy lover whom she had succeeded in ensnaring and whom she intended to fleece of the greater portion of his fortune it was but a momentary thought it exists no longer in my mind dearest responded the nobleman who as he gazed upon the bright and splendid being before him felt an ineffable disgust at having even for an instant associated her in any way with the loathsome old hag to whom he was alluding the fact is he continued i met a certain female in london or rather in the neighbourhood of london a short time ago indeed just before i left england and this woman bore the name of mortimer it is not altogether an uncommon one observed laura maintaining an unruffled countenance though her heart palpitated with continued apprehension the singularity of the coincidence is that the female to whom i am alluding announces herself as the widow of a general officer who had died in india resumed the marquis my lamented father was a merchant said laura then of course there can be no identity in that case continued the nobleman besides having an intimate acquaintance with all military matters as i myself held the post of secretary of war many years ago and have since taken a deep interest in that department i am enabled to state that no general officer of the name of mortimer has recently died in india the woman then of whom you are speaking was an impostress said laura interrogatively i have little doubt of it answered the marquis but let us not dwell upon a subject so perfectly indifferent to us we were talking of our plans will it suit you dearest laura to quit paris to-morrow or the day after at latest to-morrow if you will the young woman hastened to reply for she now trembled lest her mother should suddenly return and perhaps prove though unintentionally a marplot to all the plans which her intriguing disposition had conceived to-morrow then be it said the marquis at noon i shall call for you in my travelling chariot we will return by easy stages to london and on our arrival in the english capital the handsomest mansion that money can procure shall be fitted up with all possible speed for your abode i care not for a splendid dwelling in london itself replied laura rather let me have some beautiful and retired villa in the suburbs where you can visit me at your leisure and where we can pass the hours together without intrusion on the part of a host of visitors your ideas on this subject concur with mine observed the marquis enchanted with the belief that laura intended to retire from the fashionable world and devote herself wholly to him the seclusion of a charming villa will be delightful and i think i can promise he added with a smile that the said villa will have more of my company than my town mansion but i shall now take my departure although with reluctance it is however necessary for me to make certain preparations this evening as i am to leave paris thus unexpectedly to-morrow for a few hours then my laura adieu adieu the old man embraced the young woman with the most unfeigned unaffected fondness and as his arms were cast about her neck and he felt her bosom heaving against his chest he longed to implore her to allow him to remain with her until the morning for the dalliance and the toyings he had already enjoyed had inflamed his blood and he aspired to be completely happy without delay but he feared lest he should offend her by any manifestations of sensual longings for he flattered himself that the connection which had commenced between them had its origin in sentiment on her side he accordingly withdrew but reluctantly from her embrace and took his departure promising to call for her punctually at noon on the following day End of section seventy seven